God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Well, good morning, Audacity Church. How are the most beautiful people in all of the land doing this morning? Yeah, worship was off the chain this morning. Thank you, uh, Kenyon and team, for leading us this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn them to John chapter 15. You're a guest this morning, man. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for taking some time out of your weekend to hang out at Audacity, um, and you'll uh, know that we like to put the fun in dysfunctional around here. And um, if you have a smartphone, you can go to audacitychurch.info. Um, there, all of the, today's notes. It says talk notes are there for you. If you'd like to uh, connect with us, just let us know that you're here today. That would be awesome. It just says first time guest. We'd love to know that uh, that you're here, and uh, uh, we'd just love to reach out to you. And, um, and get to know you some. Today, I want to remind us uh, of where we are in the text. Uh, Jesus is, um, knows he's dying tomorrow. It's really what it boils down to. Jesus knows that uh, he is about to be railroaded through six illegal trials. Not one of them was legal in, his, in the first century, the context of Judaism or even Roman law. He's about to be betrayed by those who are closest to him. He's about to be crucified. He's going to die the most excruciating form of capital punishment ever invented by man, and he knows that's coming. And so in Jesus' most desperate hour, when somebody should be comforting Jesus, we see him comforting others. So if you have a need in your life, there's something you're praying for God to do. I would challenge you to be that. Maybe you need a great friend. You're like, man, I just, I just need someone to share life with. Start hosting people. If, if your house is crazy, host them at a coffee shop. Just say, hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? If you have a financial need and you're needing God to desperately move in your life, I would challenge you to invest into the kingdom of heaven. If you have a marital need and you need God to do something beautiful in your marriage, I would challenge you to love your spouse like Christ loved the church and just serve in love. We find Jesus doing just that. John does us a huge favor and he records a discourse, he records a narrative, he records some wisdom conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. John's given us some wisdom, John's given us some insight, but he focuses on one or two, if you will, primary things. In all of this conversation, Jesus is wanting us to know his relationship to the Father, and he's wanting you and I to understand our relationship to Jesus and the Father. And then he prays, and we'll get to that next week, and he prays for you specifically. It's one of the most neat passages in the Bible as we see Jesus praying over you and I uh, some 2,000 years ago. Jesus says this in John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, thank you for your word. 
We pray that it would transform us today. We pray that we would be changed by what we hear, that we would be more confident in what we believe. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I love how Jesus teaches. He doesn't complicate things. He doesn't parse Greek or Hebrew verbs. He takes something that is so familiar and he puts it into the context for his audience to hear it. So I'm going to attempt to do the very same thing today as we look at this story that Jesus accounts for us. Jesus is using symbolism that is very familiar in the context of a first century Jewish person. There would have been vineyards and vines everywhere. And there was an idea and understanding of what Jews thought about themselves, about who they were. Matter of fact, there was a grapevine outside the door on the temple because the nation of Israel believed that they were the vine to God. And so Jesus steps in because he wants to clarify something so that we cannot miss it. Now, I don't have a degree in horticulture, uh, but I've killed a lot of plants, so I'm going to speak as an expert. And um, if you want to write this down, this will change your life. The branch without the vine will die. Hashtag, you're welcome. Um, you learned something today at church. Now, I'm assuming most of you knew that. <laughs> if you didn't, uh, well, we'll just leave that at that. Jesus is showing us this new... You to know that he says, for far too long, Israel believes that they are the vine, but I want you to know that I am the true vine. For far too long, Israel believed that they were the connection point to God solely. And Jesus says, no, I am the vine. You are the branches. And the Father is the vine dresser. That's what he tells us. Now, what I want you to see today is a couple of different things. In these first few verses, before I can tell you what it means to be a branch, before I can tell you what it means, I want to look at a couple of different things about the vine dresser. I want you to know first, above all, before I say anything else, the vine dresser is love. So I'm about to give you my opinion, uh, but I'm only wrong about twice a year, so I'm assuming this is not one of those cases. In John chapter 15, the heart of the Father, it says this, Jesus is telling us a story and he says, the vine dresser will take away. Now if you grew up in church, you heard some preacher use that to scare you. You better bear fruit or God's going to take your gifts away. Makes me want to vomit in my mouth. I want you to understand that this is my opinion, but I believe that I'm right. This is one of a few instances where translators got the wording wrong. The word "ario" in the Greek can mean to take away, but it's actually the last of any of the meanings. This is what I believe Jesus wants you and I to hear this morning. I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch that does not bear fruit, He lifts Jesus is speaking as someone talking about being a vine dresser. A vine dresser, a gardener, if you will, would dresser would come laying on a ground and not bearing fruit. 
And so the vine dresser would come along and he would move the vine to a more healthy place. A place for the vine to get better nourishment. A place for the vine to be, a branch, excuse me, to be connected deeper to the vine. He would take a branch and sometimes, as we see in the very next sentence, he would prune the vine in order for it to get more fruit. But I believe that the translators got this wrong. I believe it should say that the vine dresser, when he sees a branch that's not bearing fruit, that he then takes it and moves it. That's what love does. Here's the problem. Most of you don't want to be loved that way. You don't want to be picked up and moved. You don't want to be made uncomfortable. You would rather be in a comfortable spot. You would, it's, to me, moving is just as painful as pruning. Uh, I am not a branch outside of metaphorically connected to the vine and to God. I've never played a branch on TV, but I'm assuming that pruning is probably painful. Here's what happens with most followers of Jesus. God, the vine dresser, prunes us. He makes you uncomfortable intentionally so you can bear more fruit and grow. And here's what happens. Things get uncomfortable. Things get hard. And we're like, well, psh, never mind. I really don't want that discomfort. And God's like, no, I, I, I want to use you more. I want you to be more fruitful. And this is what we do. No, you know what? I'm comfortable just being over here. This is my sweet spot. Don't stretch me too much. And the vine dresser's like, no, I, I want you to bear more fruit. And we're like, no, 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 I'd rather be comfortable. See, when you and I experience pain, but we don't understand the reason behind the pain, it's really hard to endure. And it's why I'm so fearful for the American church who's about an inch deep and a mile long, so shallow. We have brothers and sisters in Christ being rolled over by steamrollers in North Korea. And we're like, but God, I'm unhappy. Right? This is hard. Am I, I'm sorry, is that my cheesy Christian voice? Is it making you uncomfortable? Don't prune me. Let me be comfy. We have Americanized Christianity to such a degree, a first century Christian wouldn't even recognize the church. That'll preach all day long and twice on Sunday. Although we only have one service, so don't come back. Pain without purpose is always impossible to endure. And it's why most followers of Jesus, when God is pruning us to make us more fruitful, we ask him to stop. When God is placing me in a position to stretch my faith, I say, would you let me breathe? When God is placing me in a position so that I can have greater faith in Him, all I do is beg for margin. The vine dresser is crazy about you. He wants to lift you up so that you can bring more glory to His name, so that you can bear more fruit. And then occasionally, He's going to prune you. Because in each and every one of us in this room that have chosen to follow Jesus, and if you're still on that journey, man, we love you. Walk with us. 
We're so glad that you're here. But I want you to know that your heart is an idol manufacturer. We just produce things that we decide to worship. And we somehow justify them as Christian ideologies or we make them gods in our lives. And sometimes God has to step in and carve out that thing that is more important to him than, more important to you than he is. It's not easy, but I want you to know it's done in love so that whenever we are walking through some things that we do make us uncomfortable, some things that are hard for us to walk through, we can say, God, I I believe that there is purpose in this uncomfortableness. And I'm going to believe that you have a plan and I'm going to embrace, (laughs) I'm going to embrace the pruning. The vine dresser loves you. He wants to lift you up so you can be more fruitful. He wants to prune you, get rid of some things that maybe need to bear more fruit and maybe sometimes ask you to do some things that are a little uncomfortable. And then Jesus gives us a very peculiar sentence here. If you're following the story, he looks at those that have been following him and he goes, you are clean. Part of the responsibilities of the vine dresser was to come and to wash and to clean off the plants. Try to, uh, they didn't use pesticides, right? So there was, they were cl- constantly caring for these plants, constantly making sure they were clean, constantly making sure that they were healthy. And Jesus says, you, speaking to the apostles, are clean by the word. So God is telling us that the cleansing agent for us is the word of God. Jesus wants us to know what is the key to abiding? What is the key to being connected to the the vine? What is the key to being connected to the vine dresser? And he looks at you and I and he says, it's my word. I think uh, before I move on to the followers of Jesus in this house that grew up in religion and not grace, I just want to speak to you for a moment. I'm so thankful for the way I was raised. My dad is my hero. And I saw my dad live a life differently than, than most of the men in our church. And so my dad set a great example for me. But I grew up in churches where it was almost like we were controlled by fear. I grew up in a church where we were uh, measuring our accomplishments based upon a report card that was manufactured by men. I'm going to tell you the damage that that's done to your soul. You think that you hear the Holy Spirit and you're listening to your flesh. You're like, well, pastor, that freaks me out. It should. Most of you think that you're governed by this voice that shames you into change. Most of you think that this voice that you believe is the Holy Spirit is actually somehow tearing you down and you're aligning that with God. Let me explain to you, dear friend, the Holy Spirit so desperately wants to speak into your life. The Holy Spirit will speak truth and love. The Holy Spirit will speak to you in an encouraging way. The Holy Spirit will not tear you down. He will build you up. The Holy Spirit will not shame you into anything. He will love and give you grace into His presence. 
And what we've done is we've, we've started, we believe that we're listening to the voice of God. And so we start to make decisions based upon shame and guilt and not measuring up. And Jesus is here as the vine, connected to the vine dresser, saying God wants to lift you up, not tear you down. You are clean. How do we abide? You're like, Ronnie, I want to be a branch. <laughs> I want to be a branch. I think Jesus continues the next few verses, and he tells us exactly what you and I have to do to be healthy branches. In John chapter 15, verses 4 through 6, Jesus puts it this way, abide in me. I want you all to say that with me. Let's just do it a couple times. Say, abide in me. Abide in me. Say it one more time. Abide in me. Jesus says, I want you to abide. And then he breaks it down for us. He says, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. We abide in Jesus. And Jesus abides in us. He is sharing this idea that I think is as foreign today as it would have been then. And it is an idea of mutual relationship. We are both in this relationship of abiding in Jesus and Him abiding in us. He is assuring us that the cross is about to make a way for you and I to be connected to Him. But the language does imply a choice. It does imply that you and I have to choose to abide. We abide every day with our lives. We abide in every word, every action, and every deed demonstrates how we are connected, abiding in Jesus. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You'll see in this text, I believe Jesus is talking about all the weeds that are growing around the vine. Jesus is talking about people that are intertwined in the vine, but not connected to the vine. And Jesus says, apart from me, the vine, the branch can do nothing. And those branches that are growing around the vine, not connected to the vine, are not of me. He said, it doesn't say, if anyone doesn't bear fruit, he cast them out. That's not what the text says. The text says... He is either abiding in me or he's not. If he is a part of me and desires to abide in the vine, those will bear fruit. How do we abide? How do we abide? I'm going to give you three words, and I'm going to make it really easy for you to remember. Connect, crave, and continue. But before we get there, I think that's what Jesus shows us. He says, this is how you abide in me. You connect to me, you crave me, and then you continue walking in me. He's about to share this in, in a few more verses. But I want you to know that you and I have a decision to make every day when we wake up. In the Amplified Bible, Paul unpacks this idea when he's talking about, and Paul, for those of you who don't, he was a writer of the Gospels. He had a, 
an unbelievable transformation. He used to persecute followers of Jesus, and then he, he starts to support and pour into, and he changes his name from Saul to Paul, but he wrote a, a good portion of the Bible. And he's talking about us pursuing righteousness or us pursuing this relationship with Jesus. And Paul says this in uh, chapter 3, verse 10. And this is what you and I have to do. We have to be determined. So many of us are determined about so many other things. I'm determined to be successful. I'm determined to make money. I'm determined to be happy. We have all these other things that are, we're determined to do. And Paul says, no, your determined purpose must be to know God. Before I talk to you about connecting, craving, and continuing, there is no way that this sermon is going to help you a lick if you're not determined to know Jesus. So this is what Paul says. For my determined purpose is that I may know him. That I, I don't have this verse memorized, let's read it with you. That I may become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from His resurrection which exerts over believers, and that I may so share His suffering as to be continually transformed in spirit into His likeness even to His death. Paul says that you and I have to be determined to know Him more. So it's not about earning It's about relationship. It's about intimacy. Paul says, I'm going to be determined to know him more. Determined to be in relationship with him. So how do we connect? How do we crave? How do we continue? Jesus unpacks it for us as he's continuing to tell this story to you and I. And he says this in John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be filled. First thing we do is we connect. Jesus says, connect to the vine in verse 7, when it says, my words abide in you. We connect by the word, and then we connect through prayer. Jesus says, ask whatever you wish. When you're abiding in me, ask whatever you wish. We are people of a book in this house. 
All that means is that we believe that these 66 books written by 40 different authors over thousands of years of time, written on three different continents and three different languages, we believe it is all one integrated message of a loving God revealing everything He wants us to know about Himself, a loving God that reveals everything He wants us to know about ourselves in His Word. And we strive to live by what God's asked us to do. So we connect. We connect to the vine by staying in the Word. We connect to the vine by praying, by asking whatever we wish. Jesus sets the example. It says that he would get up before the sun, and he would often go out and pray. The psalmist who really records a bunch of prayers is what the, there's 150 recorded prayers. The psalmist says this, Morning, afternoon, and evening, morning and evening, all the time, I cry out to you, I pray. That guy I mentioned a little bit earlier, the Paul guy, he said this, that we should pray without ceasing. It's actually in the original language, praying like you would if you had a constant cough. If you had ever had a cough, it wouldn't go away. <laughs> Sorry, I really had to cough there, and so will some of you, but the point is this. He says to constantly be in prayer, that we stay connected to God in prayer and in His Word. And then he says this, crave. Crave being obedient to me. This is how he puts it. He says, keep my commandments. Following me isn't going to be easy. Keep my commandments. Jesus decides this, and gang, listen, Jesus sums up all of the law. If you ever, if you ever have wrestling about what you need to do with the Old Testament, okay, let me just tell you. Jesus says, I can sum every bit of all of those books. There's 39 of them. He says, 39 books, I'll sum them up in four words. Love God, love people. That's it. What about the Sabbath? He said to honor the Sabbath. You probably should do that. What about not killing somebody? Not a good idea, unless you want to do prison ministry from the inside. What about coveting my neighbor's wife? Not a good idea. It never leads to a good place. I'm telling you that whenever we are intimately, deeply, and connected in loving, craving, being obedient to the words of Jesus, loving God, loving people, when that becomes our heart, everything else becomes cake. Jesus said, crave me. Your heart right now is craving something. It's craving attention. It's craving fortune. It's craving fame. It's craving something. And Jesus is like, no, I want you to crave me. He says, hunger and thirst after me. We have to stay connected, and then we crave, and then we continue. We just walk it out. We walk in love towards people. How much love? Like you love yourself. Yeah, I know that's uncomfortable. That's what Jesus was a professional at doing. <laughs> he was saying, living like me is uncomfortable. Living like me is going to cause sacrifice in your life. Living like me is going to be a process where you are transformed more into my image. So what do we do? We continue. We walk in love. And this is what most of us, as followers of Jesus in this culture, 
We need to walk in joy. We might still be friends on Facebook, but I don't follow a lot of people because it it becomes very depressing. I don't see joy-filled followers of Jesus. I see complaining and moaning. There's probably an adjective that I could come up with. I just can't think of one. Just complaining and moaning people. People should see you and be like, how do you walk with such confidence through life? Got the, I'm connected to the vine. How can you endure that impossible situation with so much joy? Because see, friends, happiness is a choice. Joy should be a part of your very nature as a follower of Jesus. The Bible puts it this way, that the joy of Jesus is your strength. Now, I'm telling you, connecting, craving, and continuing aren't easy. That's why I set that plate with a little bit of an appetizer called determining. You, I have to determine that we are going to stay connected to the vine. No matter what he asks us to do, no matter what uncomfortable position he puts us in, you and I are going to have to crave to be fed from that vine to be obedient to the vine. You and I are going to have to continue to walk it out. And this is what I want you to know. I love Jesus. I love love him. He's a master storyteller. And then he closes this thought. Some of you are like, we're not going to get through all of John 15, are we? Not today, I know. I'm going to close with these few thoughts. I want you to, Jesus has set this table for us. So in closing, listen, just hear me, hear me. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. You are the branches. The Father is the vine dresser. And then he says, sometimes the Father is going to see you not bearing fruit, living how he wants you to. He's going to pick you up off the ground and he's going to lift you up. Sometimes he might move you to a place of uncomfortability so that you can bear more fruit. And then sometimes in life he's going to come and he's going to prune so you can be more fruitful. And then the master storyteller says, I want you to stay connected to me. I want you to crave me. I want you to walk in my love. I want you to walk in my joy. And then he says this, church, I can't wrap my hands around it. I wish that I could live with the confidence of what this verse says. John chapter 15. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. Jesus doesn't say, as these two best friends sitting around this table love each other, that's the love I have for you like a friend. No. Jesus doesn't look at James and John who were brothers sitting at the table and says, hey, like these brothers love each other. That's that's how I love you. No. He didn't look over at Peter and say, hey, Peter, you know how you love your wife? That's how I love you. Jesus looks around the room and he says, as the Father loves me, I love you. Abide, rest, stay connected, stay craving, stay continuing in that love.
It's a guy named C.H. Spurgeon. He's basically a preacher with a beard who's now dead. But this is what he said. Beloved, you do not, dare not, could not doubt the love of the Father to His Son. It is one of those unquestionable truths about which you never dreamed of holding an argument. Our Lord would have us place His love to us in the same category with the Father's love to Himself. And we are to be as confident in one as we are the other. The abiding love of Jesus should lead us confidently to be determined to stay connected to the vine, to crave obedience, no matter how uncomfortable it might be, no matter what we might have to endure, but we say, you know what? God doesn't allow me to be pruned. He doesn't allow me to be moved. He doesn't allow me to be shifted. He doesn't allow me to walk through anything unless there's purpose. So in the midst of this purpose, I choose to continue in love for people. I could choose to continue to be joy-filled no matter the circumstances. Will you abide? He is love. And He loves you. Will you abide in that love? Ronnie, you you don't even know my, I don't need to know your story. I know He loves you. But you don't even know what addiction I'm walking through right now. I don't need to know the addiction because I know God's nature is unchanging. And because He is unchanging, He loves you. Will you abide? Will you stay connected to the life source that wants to pour a life into you? Will you crave Him? And will you choose joy? Will you choose joy? Church, let's pray together. Father. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.